Oh yeah. Um, first of all, thank you for everybody for coming out. Very short notice, uh, last minute, tapping in with the good people. Uh, that's uh, I guess that's the brilliance of technology today, being able to connect with like minds that you never met before. Um, all about connecting through, you know, um, what we have in common. And I believe what everybody has in common is the self improvement. And self improvement looks like community improvement. You know, community improvement looks like nation improvement. Nation improvement looks like world improvement. And I always consider myself to be a world changer, meaning that um, changing your pattern of thinking, changing my pattern of thinking from lower consciousness into higher consciousness and into enlightenment. And we may live on the same planet, but I always say we live in different worlds. And when we can have a common collective worldview, then therefore we get to manifest the same changes that we all want to see. And so uh, I go by 19 keys for those who know, and if anybody doesn't know, and that's more so about how I conceptualize knowledge and use that to unlock minds to shift the paradigm. So thank you for everybody for coming in and tapping in. It's my good brother being here. And I'm um and I'm a brother Ben X for those who don't know. Um entrepreneur, uh world changer, shifter with my brother, uh 19 keys as well. Uh my main message is knowledge itself and you know doing for ourselves and you know self-love and unity. Um I believe no matter what we believe in, we all have a common um, background or something that we can come together on. Uh, all of us in here look melanated to me. Uh, so um, that's what I would like to see us do here, not just beat and greet and, you know, just see how great we are, but to see what everybody individually can do together. Um, because I believe a lot of times in our community, we're not broke. We just have a broke mentality mm -hmm. and uh, we have a lack of unity. You know, we hear all the time through the stats that we have $1.3 trillion. And a lot of time they say, well, I'm still broke. Where is $1.3 trillion coming from me? But a lot of times it's because we're not circulating our dollars and shopping with our own. And a lot of times we do have people we can shop with, like with the crowns. You know, people talking about Gucci. You know, you can come get you a crown instead of that Gucci band. Mm -hmm. or many people got clothes and different things that you don't even know being made, but we just don't know that it's out there. So I believe if we connect with one another, you never know who uh, may take you to the next level. You never know who edits, who films, who actually makes the shirt, you know, that uh, you want to print on. So that's what I would love to see out of this because I believe we all have a talent and a gift and a skill, no matter um, you know what people say we aren't. Uh, it's all about what we um, you know believe you know for ourselves. But I want to start off with Brother Taylor here because he is the one who opened it up for us this building. So I wanted him to explain what Four Oak Cliff is about and the uh, mission for those of us who are in the uh, area. And if he uh, has something, or if you have something that can actually help him out. I believe this would be a great opportunity because he's doing a lot of stuff with the youth and with the schools. Thank you, brother. Um, how y'all doing this evening? Good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Taylor. Uh, this is our space for Oak Cliff. Uh, the mission of our organization is we aim to liberate Oak Cliff from systemic oppression while creating a culture of education, increasing social mobility and social capital. Mm. What that looks like is three pillars to our work, education, advocacy, and community building. What we're doing right now is upholding one of the pillars to our work. This is community building at its finest. Um, this building that we're in is a space for community to build and to grow. Um, I grew up in this neighborhood. Ben and I was talking about this the other day. He shopped at my grandfather's or ate at my grandfather's store. Ben and son that was right here on the corner. I did too. Used to go to Ben and son. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh y'all got y'all some good Ben's burgers in your life. Ben's burgers. So that, that's, Jimmy with that Ben burger. See there? I done hit a nerve. I done hit a nerve. So 
my that was my grandfather. So my my family has you know my roots are here. I grew up on Pentagon, right behind here. Um, I just wanted to uphold the legacy of what my grandfather had done and what I saw in him growing up as a kid. He always taught me to always be a leader, not a follower. And um, the more leaders that we can be around, the better that we can follow each other and grow as one. I believe. Um, and education-wise, man, just to give y'all some stats, you know, a lot of times we talk about the deficit of our education within our community. We call this area that we in, we call it the super block. The super block is from I-35 on the western boundary, 45 eastern boundary, up to 8th Street on the northern end, back down to Ledbetter. Uh, a lot of times people tell us how bad our schools are doing. I've been one of those people before to talk about you know, the, the, the way we need to grow and how, what the data look like right now. But today I want to give y'all a praise report on the data. Um, of all the schools, and I taught over here as well, I taught at Bushman, so I kind of, I got a, a little bit, a little bit of stake in this. Um, from the elementary schools that are within the super block, right now we are outperforming the state, the district, and the county as far as growth. We still aren't, thank you, bro, that's real, we got a project. Our schools still are not at the percentage, you know what I'm saying, that everyone else is, but since 2012 to now, they've grown 13%. The next, the next amount of growth to that was 8%. So the teachers, the administrators, the students have been doing a phenomenal job. And, and just to hark on South Oak Cliff alone, their Algebra 1 scores have increased by 20% within a year. Within one year. And to give you just resiliency of our people, the students at SOC don't even have a building right now. You know, they in an alternative school. So psychologically, you know what I'm saying, they in a building with, that's built to be alternative schools for correction and discipline, but these kids are still our kids. They still there thriving. And that's just a testament to our community. Even this space here, we started with this one room, was 250 square feet. And you know, just keep going forward, believing in God and staying true to a mission, speaking into the universe, these things appear. Uh, now we have a renovation that took place here that the Real Estate Council did and being able to bring a beautiful space to our community to spread love and positivity. Um, I love y'all for being here. I'm a resource to whatever it needs to be, whatever y'all want to do. And uh, thank y'all for coming. Thank you for having everybody yes, here sir. tonight this evening, bro. Um, so I think a good way to start off is by introducing everybody, letting everybody know what you do. Um, I guess y'all know what we do if y'all came here. Uh, I'm a, I'm an author. Uh, I make DVDs. I make YouTube videos. I make I do video production. I do my own editing. Uh, I rap from time to time. Um, I just do whatever, man, just to uh, just to impact the people. Uh, so that's pretty much me. And uh, my mission, of course, is to give life to the dead. That is my ultimate mission. So that's why I do so many things, because I know different people receive information different. So some people, the youth may like music, the youth may like a skip, but then an adult may be able to sit down and have a, a longer attention span and watch me just speak. So that's me, and that's what I do, and I guess we can go this way. Well, you know, um, world changer. Um, and under that is whatever talent that I have that I can use to change the world. So whether it's doing marketing, whether it's conscious branding, whether it's speaking, whether it's writing, whether it's designing, um, whether it's event planning, organizing, community, whether, whatever it is, it's just about more so utilizing all my talents. To, to be honest, I hate the question, what do you do? I always like to ask people, who are you? Mm -hmm. Because it, it goes away from ego and it gets down to your inner mm -hmm. self. You know, and a lot of times when we ask people who are you, 
is, is based off how we can assess and judge them, you know, and what class they are, yeah. instead of actually getting to know who that person is. And it's also a mental health question when you ask a person, who are you? Because the question is really not for me, it's for you to assess yourself in that moment, you know. So I always ask people, who are you, rather than who you are. That's right brain versus left brain ego. So if everybody can go around, and, and if you want to ask, add what do you do in that component, please do so, because this also is a networking event. So a person gets to know, you know, how you can be a key in their life and how you can be a tool in each other's lives and build community as we are here for that reason. So who are you, good brother? <laughs> I'm Charlie. I, um, I'm a builder. I build elevators. I'm a fighter. I boxed for 13 plus years. A veteran, served in the uh, Air Force for 13 years. Um, people always ask me, why did you stay for 20? Saw enough, decided to get out. That's a long time. It wasn't, it, 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 I didn't see any value. And uh, for a while, I, I saw that it wasn't any value, so I decided to just not contribute to that anymore. Thanks, so. um, uh Brother, son, um, uncle. Appreciate it. So I'm Deetra Dixon. Mm -hmm. I grew up in this neighborhood. So I know all about this neighborhood before any of this was there. So congratulations, that's just awesome. I'm a professional makeup artist, and I'm a mother, a daughter, and a loving person. Blessings. So my name is Fallon. Um, I'm a mother, a daughter. Um, I'm actually a USA track and field coach, okay. and I'm an aspiring entrepreneur looking to build a sports performance center and build a homeless and drug rehabilitation center, which will give proceeds to those homeless victims. Blessings. Thank you. Mm -hmm. a good brother over there. Well, my name is Brian Cooper. I'm 29 years old. I have a seven-year-old daughter. I love the girl. Uh, I grew up in Pleasant Grove, and I grew up in Oak Cliff, too. And uh, I have my own trucking business, real fresh, so, you know, but. Congratulations. Yes. You got your own trucking business? Yes, sir. Man, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. yeah. <coughs> Go ahead, good sister. I guess we're not doing, like, snaps or claps, <laughs> so you don't know where, where the next person is. We, we snap or something. Go ahead. always tell people you cannot be physically fit and mentally and spiritually obese. So mm. I'm that one that will basically remind you of your personal health assistance and a proud mom. So. Mm. I like that. I'm Joe Sanders. I'm an educator, fifth grade social studies teacher, football, track, especially uh, shop for the to the Soto, uh, looking to be a counselor, a counselor this year, hoping to take that test and knock it out of the waters. Go from there. Blessings, blessings, blessings. Hey, I go by Rob Nice. Uh, I'm a barber, a uh, master barber. Uh, I was uh, transplanted here from Kansas, Wichita, Kansas, uh, about a year ago. Um, the babies are the greatest, so, you know, that's all I look to teach is the babies. Uh, you know, I study self, study, you know, knowledge yourself, and, you know, look to be able to, you know, just, like I say, teach the kids, because that's our time machine. Yes, sir. Uh, my name is Bryce. <laughs> 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 I'm 
So many people ask me, Brother Ben asked, man, how do I know that you're going live? How do I know when you're producing a podcast? And I saw you also just made $130,000 in two days. Well, there's a way that you guys can get informed from us via text message. All you have to do is text 50K to 210-504-4094, and we'll give you more information with free game, and we'll let you guys know how we made $130,000 in two days. Text the word 50K to 210-504-4094. We'll give you updates, notifications, and let you guys know how we made 130000 in two days. Peace. And my aunt actually owns a store right next door that I paint African Connection. Bless her. Well, my name is Taylor. Um, I'm from Fort Worth, about 30 minutes from here. Um, I'm currently an insurance agent, but I'm looking to transition into entrepreneur. I'm thinking about starting a jewelry line, so. Okay. Hi, my name is Allison. Hey, how y'all? I am a mother, I am a wife, I am a daughter. I have four children, and I didn't grow up on this side. I was adopted and raised in Mesquite, but it takes me back to the kids in the community because I have a cousin that just got shot and killed here mm. in Oak Cliff, and he was an influencer. He had a lot of young kids that loved him in every way, so now there's a crowd of kids and it's like, what do you do to them? So what I'm looking for to take from this experience is how can I help the community and giving them a positive outlook instead of a dead end? Okay. Hello, I'm Champagne. I'm a chef. I grew up right down the street off of Greenspan in Redbird Lane, so Oak Cliff is home. Um, I'm a chef. I do meal prep, caterings, pretty much whatever you need. I also just started a line of um, CBD popcorn. It's, I actually have some here on the table. It's called Organopop. And I am a mother. I am a friend. I love to give back. I love to teach people how to live he uh, healthier lives and just to be able to open up their mind and not be able to just, they not believe everything they were taught. I, not being force fed everything and just believing it. Me. Okay, I go back to yeah, Chong. Um, been an international gold trader. Um, also, do uh, brought to launch an international television network to basically promote a pan African network with all black people all around the world. Issues facing us all over the world because the problem is the same, pretty much. So, and I'm just interested in uplifting of our people. Blessings. Blessings. Hi, my name is Aliyah Muhammad. Um, I'm an actress, and I I am peace. My middle name is Islam, so I started meditating, and I just say I am peace in any way, shape, form, or fashion. And I aspire to eventually have my own acting school, my own acting classes, and I just want to educate people who look like me. Blessings. Hello, everybody. My name is Tariq. Uh, I also call myself a world changer. It's this hidden here says world change okay, on it. I have a, uh, I'm a co-founder of a nonprofit, a, a 501c3 certified nonprofit, and we do a lot for the community. We've been, we've been, uh, our goal is to get the youth involved to let them know that they don't have to be a millionaire to give back to the community. We want to let them know that 
as little as a dollar can go a long way. So um, we've done a few things in the community. We tackled the Flint water crisis. Uh, we donated to Promise House over here off Zane. And uh, we want to bring STEM into the community as well and get in touch with all the, just the, the black community and the, you know, the impoverished communities and try to let them know that they can do, you know what I'm saying? Yes, how y'all doing? My name is Dee. I um, aim to bring out the best in my fellow young black women. I grew up a lot around a lot of black women that came that suffered from coming from lack. So I do that a few th different ways. I'm a personal trainer. Um, my niche really is just um, black women. Well, not black women, but women. Um, also, I'm an editor in chief of Her Image magazine, which is all about you know. Um, empowering, healing, and gaining that self-respect for fellow, you know, millennial black women. I um, have a fragrance line, make um, essential or rollerball fragrances. And um, yeah, that's me. Go ahead, good brother. Uh, <clears throat> well, I met you in Houston. met you in Houston uh, a few weeks back. Um, my name is Prince, well, uh, I, I run a tax office down there in Houston, and uh, my mission is to just um, change life for the people that's around me. Yes, sir. And let's start with you, and then we're going to go around and finish up. Oh, man, right here. Mm -hmm. My name is Eric. I'm a personal trainer, born and raised in Dallas, the Oak Cliff area. Uh, my main mission at this point is to help people be a better version of themselves with physical fitness, food, just a different state of mind than what they used to. Um, growing up, seeing a lot of things, seeing a lot of things that happen, get, happen to people who look like us. And it's always bothered me from little kids. Even though my elders didn't discuss this stuff with me, I was always seeing it. And Older and seeing that it's just a continual cycle. I'm like, I'm not going to be a part of this, so I'm going to go in a different direction. And that's pretty much what my mission is taking me at this point. Uh, good evening. My, my name is Dominic. I'm uh, the son of Jerry and Rosalind Peterson. I relocated to the Texas area probably around 2015. That's when I first started following you, Brother Ben, and you were uh, doing teachings in the Waxahachie area. Uh, Brother 19 Keys, probably since fall 17. Uh, I currently live in Bottom because that's where my, my job is. I work for the VA as a kinesiotherapist. I do a lot of rehab and uh, special mobility evaluations. Uh, and this June, I will be getting married to my queen, Morgan, and she'll be going to be the How y'all doing? I'm Devontae. Uh, I'm a music artist. Uh, and I cut hair. I kind of do anything, man. I, uh, I'm just happy to help people. Um, I grew up with a twin brother, with just my mom, so uh, I got nephews and stuff. They just turned 17 yesterday, so I kind of want to be that person in their life to you know, show them that it's a better way to make money and, and really just get ahead in life, you know. So, I'm aspiring business on all that, so I'm just kind of on a new journey, and I just want to thank y'all too, because y'all really been helping me over the last two years, like for real, for real. And as far as my friends around me, they kind of they see a big change in me. They always knew I'd be the one to kind of 
Thank you, brother. Uh, hey, everybody. My name is Donald Bridgeforth. I'm a senior at Paul Quinn College. I'm the CEO and developer behind the official Black app. And what that is, is it takes the momentum of black tech entrepreneurship and uses it to, use it to put every black business on a global market. Mm. But not only that, every dollar that you spend with a business that's on our app, we turn it into a My Black Dollar so that you can use it for rewards and discounts at other black businesses just to further encourage you to spend with black businesses and so you can have that app as you travel across the country and world. Fire. The official black app. <clears throat> Go ahead, good brother. Peace. My name is Justin McCarthy. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a carpenter. I also have a nonprofit that gears towards helping other people start their own businesses. But it's really easy for 26000 to you know, start a nonprofit or register with BBA. So I'm just trying to spread light on the other camera, trying to spread light. Yes, sir. We skip. We can't skip the youth now. Yeah. Well, who are you, good brother? Appreciate you. Every time I, I can look into each and every one of you 
and tell you something about yourself that I should not know, but I know it and I feel it. And right now, I really wouldn't even call myself this thing. Yet, it hurts calling these hurt so often. It makes me uncomfortable about being you again. But right now, what I want to say is, is that um, I am a spiritual warrior and one of the first. And how old are you, good sister? First, so everybody know. Thank you, sister. Short and sweet. Hey, 
Uh, I'm a child of God. Amen. I'm a father. I'm a son. Uh, and I'm a servant leader. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Joe. I'm a um, Chicago transplant from the west side of Chicago. I've been down here for about five years now. Um, I'm an insurance adjuster slash entrepreneur. I started my own property management company and uh, new to invest in the real estate. And I want to help, um, Can you do help mic that way? invest into, um, what do you call it? Um, help um, individuals get into um, affordable housing. My name is Jared. Uh, I'm an insurance adjuster and an aspiring entrepreneur, too. So. Blessings. Well, I'm glad we all got to know each other now. Uh, <laughs> uh, I guess we can just open it up for a dialogue and some questions. Um, because, you know, given it's not a, like a really formal event, it's just a meet and greet discussion, dialogue, and hoping that we can provide and give value to anybody that's here that needs some resource of information and knowledge. So does anybody have any questions they want to start off with today? Go ahead, go sister. So I have um, a brilliant like idea of how I want to help the community, and it starts off with nonprofit organizations. Um, I just want to know how do you? What is the first step into getting into that? Okay, I have an idea, but what do I do? How do what I is do your exact idea? idea? I thought I heard so myself, so I would like to start a nonprofit organization, giving back to the community, um, ages 15 to 23, helping people um, put pretty much experience on their resume. Um, I used to volunteer at a place called Jonathan's Place, where they used to just drop off kids and keep driving, pretty much. Mm -hmm. And me being a product of the community where your mom is a drug addict, you're born addicted to it, I mean, all of that, that's my story. So I definitely want to help the young people um, who don't have those to come visit them in the hospital or in those type of settings because there's not a lot of people on hand to do that. Also giving back to the older people who are in nursing homes who need just that as well because they're dying because they don't have people to come out and visit them. Mm -hmm. I would like to call my business once a man, twice a child because that's what happened to us. Okay. And I would like these, um, for the youth to get involved, get the experience that they need and be able to provide them with letter of recommendations and so on and so forth. Uh, so before, I, um, before we get into the answering of it, just mindset-wise, you know, for anybody that has an idea, because we live in a time of execution, where if you're serious about your idea, you can go from, you know, having the idea, your mind being pregnant, to going into labor, putting in that work, and birthing it. And in a day and age of technology, we can always YouTube, we can always Google, we can always phone, we can always call to get the necessary information in order to achieve our goals. Now, I know in this room, I heard a couple of brothers that already have nonprofits. So specifically, I would rather them be the resource of information that can give you, you know, what you need. Um, I know that brother talked about nonprofits and how much it costs to get started. So, like as I said, this is a networking event, particularly, and just mindset you know, uh, of execution, we can always seek the person that's done what we've already done and ask them how to do it. 
and it just goes from start to you know beginning you know and then along that journey of executing and um i'm not sure we have we don't i'm not sure how much time we have to get into the specifics of it but i would like for you to link with everybody who has a nonprofit here and then therefore you can start your idea and bring it into fruition so uh, how many can you raise your hand if you do have a nonprofit? Um, are you looking for the next step as how to set up a nonprofit? Just everything. I'm hungry for knowledge in every field, mm -hmm. finances, resources. I mean, just everything. I mean, so, would anybody who has a nonprofit like to answer that one? Understanding the different programs and things you want to do, mm -hmm. but really tapping into why you want to do them, uh, and, and really carving at that. Because this organization started from a back-to-school festival, mm -hmm. because my students didn't have school supplies. That was it, simply. Mm -hmm. They didn't have school supplies, so I wanted to organize a block party where my friends bought school supplies. Mm -hmm. Now we're going into year five of that, and we have annually about 5,000 people show up, giving away 35,000 backpacks. And then we built this center here as well in the neighborhood that we that I grew up in. And that was all because I was just kept knocking and cracking away at, at the why, which is trying to get my people uh, to come together collectively and go against the grain of oppression. And so, you know, just a little more on that is I, I, I'm a true believer and we no longer have any excuses today. Like zero. For whatever we want to do, we just have to believe it within and that that belief within that inner vision of us seeing us do that will become an outer reflection of that which we say we want to produce. And on that topic, there's a lot of people, if you look at everybody's current income, current relationships, current uh, place that they stay, ownership, job, business, it's all a reflection of how you see yourself inside. You know what I mean? Because that's what your paradigm currently is. So if I have a goal to say I want to make a million dollars a year, I first have to believe myself and see myself as that type of person that does those habits to make those millions of dollars. Because even if a person gave me a million dollars and I only have the habits of a person that can maintain $30,000, I'm end up spending all of that money. Because the inner reflection of who I am, my paradigm is only have a collection of habits of a person that can maintain that $30,000. So even if I go work out and I lose a lot of weight, I'm going to end up putting that weight back on because my inner image is that I'm this person. So that's why, you know, if I hear a person that has any idea, in order for you to believe yourself, what are you going to do to show yourself that you believe yourself? Mm -hmm. And it's always outside the realm of your current comfort zone and your current habits, <clears throat> because your current habits is what make up your current reality. Um, and to add to that, um, I believe in reverse engineering, which is why I believe we all should know what our purpose is and what our why is. I always give the example um, have anybody ever used a GPS before or did anybody use a GPS to get here? And I always give the scenario like if somebody is in the passenger seat with you and the GPS tells you to go straight uh, and your friend who doesn't know what Siri knows tell you to go left, what are you going to do if, if your friend says go left? 
So most of the time you're going to say somebody's either going to keep straight and if you do get off track and go left, what is Siri going to say now? Siri's going to say we route. So I think it's important for us to know our why and our purpose first because that keeps us in, uh, that keeps us on point. And if we get off track, we know how to get back on track. And one thing I like about what the brother said is that um, it started off small. Everything starts off small and goes large. None of us go out our mother's womb six feet or five feet or she'd probably be dead like a mug right now <laughs> you know so everything started small from that little clock you know from that little idea and you know in the same way the minister broke that down as well he said the same way we started as a clot and grew in our mother's womb that's the same way our ideas got to mm -hmm. grow so that trip of darkness that you grew out of and your mother's womb, that's the same way ideas got to grow out of your mind, that trip of darkness in your mind. Everything that we see right now in manifestation started with a thought. So start off small and grow large. Like, for example, even when it comes to my YouTube videos and making videos, I start off small, 23 views here, 50 views here. Now I've reached over 400 million views on social media. But one thing that's important and why you have to focus on where you're at right now is because what if I, out of those 23 views, Oprah saw me? What if out of those 23 views, somebody who she had power, you. yeah, what if somebody had power and saw me and wanted to put me on? So a lot of time we want to wait until we got it all figured out, wait till I got all the money. But if you just start right now, then when somebody see you who do got the resources, they say, wow, this person been working all this time and they didn't have the resources. Imagine what they're going to do once I give them the resources. And a lot of time people who got money, they just be want to invest in young people, but they want to see us actually working. So start small and grow large is always my advice. Does anybody else have any questions? Yeah. Go ahead. Always, yes, ma'am. You always use paradigm. For those of us that have not researched the word paradigm, can you uh, explain it? Um, paradigm comes from the Greek word paradinomi, meaning to example or sample. When we're talking about paradigms, we're talking about a collection of individuals' habits. You know, or the dominant paradigms, we're talking about, you know, the collection of the courtship habits, if you will. Uh, let's say that the current paradigm is go to college and get a job, you know, and that's going to be your route to success. Well, the shifting paradigm is that you can self-educate yourself and start your own job or your own business. And so it's a new model of thinking. And the thing about when you know paradigm has shifted is not when you're arguing against the old paradigm because there's still people that's going to say no education is a route go to the four to eight years get that master's degree then come out and into the world and then the other people in the new age are saying that no I already created my job and then that 70 percent of jobs is going to be created or by those who are innovating and doing it their way as a shifter in the paradigm utilizing things that are here now but it's not about those two arguments being in place it's about only one being the current because there was a time where there was literally only the school argument you know for success so it's about, I will know when the paradigm has shifted, it's not when we're arguing against what's old, but the only reference of thinking is the current model. You know, the current model being that, yes, for black wealth, we have to self-educate ourselves, that we can no longer be relying upon the system, we have to serve our best interest. And so one thing that we're trying to get people to do is to think in a more sovereign way, a sovereign paradigm. You know what I mean? Where we govern ourselves, because we currently are in a paradigm where we grew up with a social contract with the government. You know, meaning that they're supposed to serve our best interests of freedom, justice, and equality. But we know that they don't serve our best interests because we have a historical record to be able to look current back and going towards in the future. 
So what we do is we can create a social contract with the people around here to serve each other's best interests. So like my brother, Dare Grace does in-home banking. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Which is relying on each other for loans, relying on each other for business and, and, and creating that <coughs> collaboration culture. So, you know, you become the police. You become the security that I rely on. So now we have a social contract with each other, be, but at the same time, we're still sovereign, you know, in our thinking and our governance of ourselves. So the paradigm shifting is going from one model of thinking into another. It's shifting into a different model of thinking. And one of my monikers is update your program, change your paradigm. And I always tell people to every level of consciousness comes with a new language. So if you want to, you know, um, change your financial situation, you know, and language being the expression of our thoughts. So it's not just about saying the words, but how it expresses and changes the way we move, behave, and think. Because there are certain cultures that don't have numbers, so they can't count. So they have, uh, uh, they, they, so they don't have certain system of mathematics, which one allowed them to do certain things in engineering and innovation. So you have to think about the language itself limits you. You know, it limits your expression. Words you don't know, you can't do. So it wasn't until financial literacy is becoming a new paradigm shift in the black community to where I believe we're going to start, you know, uh, decreasing the wealth gap between black and white families, you know, increasingly more. But that's because we're changing our language. We're talking about wealth. You're seeing that word being circulated. The word paradigm shifts is being circulated. Financial literacy is being circulated. Assets and liabilities is being circulated and understood more within our people. Peace, family. Thank you for checking out the Brother Ben X podcast. Many people are wondering, what can I do now since digital real estate closed on October the 1st? I still want to learn how to make money on social media. I still want to learn how to market. And I still want to learn how to build my brand. Well, there's one more way that you can do it. It's a couple ways, but I want to tell you all about the ABS tribe. The ABS tribe is weekly coaching every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday for only $50 a month. If you are looking for accountability, if you're looking for a group of people that's willing to inspire you, help you out, support you, encourage you, you want to get inside of our ABS tribe because every Tuesday and Thursday, me and Brother Jake or one of our more top million dollar friends or six-figure friends are on teaching you every single week. If you want to join the ABS tribe, go to www.whatisabstribe.com, www.whatisabstribe.com. Com. So that language, understanding, interpretation, and expression is going to change how we do things and it's going to cause that paradigm shift. Because whether you want to or not, you, you express whatever vision is on the inside. And human beings are not driven by reason or logic, they're driven by feelings. You know what I mean? So how we feel towards things cultivate our mood, which cultivate our drive, which produces our will. And so I always try to, you know, and that's the thing about, you know, um, thinking about who you are and what you like when you see a, a food right or food advertisements and marketing they're trying to produce an image in your head so you can see yourself eating see yourself savoring they always so therefore it produces that feeling and that feeling is going to be what you're going to work towards that willpower is going to drive your will to produce that feeling into manifestation so you get that food to match that feeling the frequency of that feeling and that's the same thing with everything so what I would like to see us do is to create our own narrations, to create our own visions, because the people cannot create a future unless they first have a vision of what that future is. And black people, we have a lack of planning within our paradigm, because in 
African psychology, we have little words for near future because we are very present and spiritual people. But in the paradigm we live in now, within uh, white patriarchal intellect, they're great planners. They're always planning something for us. So if we're not the ones planning, then we're left in someone else's plans. Mm -hmm. So it's like, what direction will you be in next year? Do you know? Well, if you have a plan, then everything you do in that plan, it envisions, and then that vision has a feeling connected to it, it's going to drive all your habits, all your rituals, all your ideas, all your expressions, all your thoughts to producing that image that you have, that vision, that plan that you have. But somebody else is planning, then they can determine what direction you go to. So on the same topic of paradigm shift, the scientists were trying to figure out if paradigm shifts were real. And what they had was... Um, they couldn't figure out if they were real because they weren't measuring their old habits. So they had changed so much, they didn't even know what their old habits were. And then they kind of took that as a telltale sign that the paradigm had shifted. But the dangerous thing about that is each one of us are changing every single day. How we think about relationships, how we think about money, how we think about time, how we think about the government, how we think about just about everything because of all this new information is forcing us to change because we're becoming so vastly aware of so many different things. We get in a complex thinking system, but we don't control the change. So we can be manipulated to go into any direction. And so we can change to something that might not be as progressive for us. So black people today, we have to look at ourselves as is our current state of thinking, our current state of spirit, our current state of soul. Is it the most progressive evolution that we should have been in or had we or had we got caught in someone else's plans, you know? And so I'm always trying to get people to think about what is your plan? You know, what is your vision? And it boils down to these two fundamental models of thinking that I think a person can use it. It's like being a stoic or epicureal thinking or to break it down and to be more so your critical self versus your experiential self. So a person talking about goals, uh, and let's say that in order for me to complete my goal, I need to be here on a computer for the next three hours to get this thing done. But a friend calls up and say, look, I got concert tickets to go see Drake tonight. You know what I'm talking about? It's going to be popping. Now, the experiential self is like, I want to go have fun. This is fun. You know what I mean? You only get to live so many more days. Let me enjoy this. Right? My paradigm shift is because we only have one life, then you should do everything responsible to make sure that you do it the best way because you're not going to get another chance with this to create a legacy. Right? But the current paradigm is YOLO. You only live once. So, but I would say your critical self would be the one that's thinking, nah, I need to go ahead and get this done today so that I can get to that goal that I said I wanted to have complete. And I always talk about that person that, the first person that came up with, I'll do it tomorrow, was the laziest, most procrastinating person ever. Because it doesn't exist. It was just saying that I don't want to do it to now. And when you procrastinate, it produces a pain that the neuroscience is able to measure that that moment you procrastinate is, is because you experience pain and discomfort because it's outside the realm of your current comfort state. So if I don't want to do something, I experience a pain and it stops me. So the key is to push past pain to get a pro to, to push past pain to get to productivity and progress. Those are my P's that we align. And so anytime you embrace the pain, same thing as a brother's working out. The more pain, you know, a lot of times can, can tell you that the muscles in there are splitting and it's going to heal up and it's going to have new growth. Same thing when a mother is pregnant, they have that moment to where it's the crowning, they call it, and that's when you experience the most pain pushing the head out. She wants to retract. She don't want to go through that pain no more. You know what I mean? So sometimes the baby head slip back down, but you have to continue to push in order to birth that thing. So as this 
you know, that's why he called me 19 keys. I always go through the one through nine when I'm explaining things. You know what I mean? But that's, that's what the paradigm shift is. And as I listen to everybody in this room explain what they do, um, I always find it at the same token a little dangerous that we always have to find one particular thing that sums us up or one particular, um, um, like, I'm a speaker, I'm a teacher, I'm an engineer, because we're always more than that thing. And that's why I like to be very polymathic, learning universal knowledge. You know what I mean? Because I'm definitely not one thing. I only, if I only tell the person I'm a speaker, is to sum it up because I know we have limited thinking of understanding. But all of the greats were more than one thing. You know what I mean? Martin Luther King wasn't a preacher, just a preacher. He was an organizer. He was a scientific thinker. He was a strategist. You know, he was much more, he was a philosopher if you will. He was much more a, a politician. So many different things, but it's easy to sum a person up as a preacher that did some things. But in this state, and as technology continues to evolve, the new paradigm is going to be artificial intelligence, and that's going to be definitely controlling a lot of people whether they know it or not, or want to or not. Um, because it's going to be outthinking a lot of human beings that are not growing their brain and continuously updating themselves. So, we have to go from, and that's what the new generation is going from being binary thinkers to trinary thinking, because that's what machine learning is doing right now. And it's basically saying that, okay, it's not um, yes or no, but it's also a neutral. It's not don't use social media, do use social media. It's also you can do both. You know what I mean? It's not do it in the streets or just do it on the internet. It's like, no, combining both. There's always a third option of thinking. And once we get to that stasis of thinking, then we start to continuously evolve so those things don't control us. Because if technology evolves, then we have to evolve so that it doesn't do the thinking for us. Mm -hmm. That's all right. <laughs> I need some water. <laughs> my man back there? Man, I, think as I, I guess my question really is for everybody is what, what, what is it that we can sacrifice greatly, you know what I'm saying, in order to uh, create one voice in this whole uh, diaspora that we in the urban America? What can you know, like, and I say for instance, like, is there any way that you know we could, everybody can just not go to work? I, mean, I don't care what it is, it's a sacrifice. So you know what I'm saying? If people say oh, I got bills to pay, it's just a sacrifice. So so what? Is there anything that you know what I'm saying we can do or make suggestions for something like that? Um. Before you go, I'm just gonna say the way I define sacrifice is the currency to buy what you want. So we always have to sacrifice something to get that thing we want. But I'm going to let my brother go ahead and go and tie it. I would say um, sacrifice our lower desires uh, because I believe that we should be smart in our jobs. Uh, the minister teaches us the still-away method. Mm. The still-away method is if you have a job right now, just because you know you understand that you are God and that we're powerful, that don't mean quit your job and then you have your children and your wife and your, you know, your family out cold you know, in the name of I'm powerful now. You know, so, <laughs> you know, some people, some people act like that. You know, I got nodded to self now, nigga. I'm finna quit the white, you know. <laughs> but he said we have to be smart. So that means when you own this job, the extra money that we're getting, we can't spend it on the new Jordans that come out every December. The, the extra money that we get, we can't spend it all on fast food. The extra money that we get, we can't spend it on things that are things that we really don't need to sustain ourselves. So now we putting that extra money into building your side job. Then after you're able to build your side job up, then you quit. So I think a lot of times what, what really needs to be sacrificed is ourselves. We need to deny ourselves first because I believe a lot of times we got our own selves in the way. 
even when it comes to the white man, I believe the white man is just simply a uh, the, uh, uh, a manifestation of our lower selves. So all the mistakes that he's making, everything that we see coming from him is really inside of ourselves. So we're supposed to be looking at his imperfections so we can perfect ourselves. So anything that we, um, you know, that's stopping us from our growth, and I believe individually we all know what it is, uh, that's what needs to be sacrificed. Whatever it is that, I, that is our advice that we are making our God. And when I say making our God, I mean something that you think you have to be dependent on that you really don't have to be dependent on. And, um, and I think that's what, you know, we can sacrifice because I think that will lead us into um, uh, quitting our jobs and doing something for ourselves to be collectively. And we can sacrifice our egos. We can sacrifice wanting to be um everything and what i mean by that is i believe everybody in here is my superior what do i mean by that that mean if i'm uh she may be my superior in acting my brother may be my superior in working out i may be a superior in something else and sometimes a lot of times we think that i'm the greatest so when somebody else in the room i gotta be everything or you know i don't have to submit to nobody so i believe when it comes to us being one voice or we having one voice i think that is the most dangerous thing that could happen looking for you know one leader you know all the time i hear people say mm -hmm. we need we need one leader we need we want to blame the church pastor we want to blame this minister when i think that's actually the wrong thing if i ask y'all who's the leader of the lgbt i'm pretty sure none of y'all would know because it really doesn't matter. If I say who's the leader for the for the white man, none of us would matter. Because what the, what what happens is we try to look for one black leader. We try to look for one mm. way, and then once they kill him, now we all done. Now we all gone. But what if we all was leaders within our own right? What if we all look for the guy within? What if we all look for the leader within? Now, if they kill one leader, they are gonna have to kill us all, mm. and we know they can't kill us all. So I think that's what we have to sacrifice ourselves, our egos. And just uh, our Lord desires, and I think that will put us in the right direction. Um, on 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 that subject, uh, once I'm just gonna be short break. On the subject of the, the ego, because that's a, a thousand percent, and I don't think we know how much we're targeted through our egos, and and it's more than just you know you wanting praise for something or things of that nature, but every, the the entire black community is being controlled through ego. You know what I mean? Whether it's neuroscientists and marketers, you know, attacking your ego to get you to buy things. You know, I'm talking about from the womb. You know, they're, they're getting children to be wrapped up in brands and self-image and things of that nature of feeling of missing out and your ego got to have this. But when you are able to control that, and not in the sense that you have to eliminate it, because you just have to shift it, right? So when we was putting together the, the group of the shifters, um... One thing that people always ask us is how are y'all able to work together? You know what I mean? Doesn't does ego always get in the place? This person needs to speak or that person needs to speak? And the, the, the overall idea of it was that we create where it's not about me. It's about what we can do together. Because the problem always happened is I want credit for this. I did this. I put this together. It's the I, I, I that gets in the way of the we. And so what we said was you can't destroy ego. You can minimize it and shift it into a different direction. So we said we're going to brag about what we can do together. That's going to be the new thing that we, we walk around like, look, look at what we did. That's why we say we part of the shifters because it's about unity. And so if you can showcase unity because our people have never seen unity, we don't even know how to speak unity. We just know the word unity. You know what I mean? But we don't know what that really looks like. And un inside that word unity is a subculture of solidarity. And solidarity coming together for a common cause. Then you create an agenda, a list of items that you put on the table that y'all gonna work towards. So that's what 
the LGBT community has, they have solidarity. And they put together an agenda so it doesn't have to be one person. They all take credit for their community. So we always say instead of the ego, you have the we go. What we can do together is what we go brag about, where we shifting our ego into. And therefore, it's an easier solution to a person trying to eliminate and say, no, I just want you to redirect it where that energy can be useful to each other. So we came together and they're like, man, y'all always bragging about working together. But yes, we are. Because <laughs> you know how hard it is to work together. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it, it's about shifting it in the right direction, especially when it's something you can't get rid of. But go ahead, mother brother. No, I'm I like words, and I especially like when people flip words. And you said, you know, from ego to we go, yes, and right. how we are going to it. You know, yes, right. I, I was just appreciating that. Um, brother was talking about sacrifice, and I've been thinking a lot about that recently for myself. Um, um, for me, how I got there um, to eventually go from one thing to another, it, it's been a long process. But um, how I model that in my mind is that, every, it, for my personal experience, is that everything that I've tried to sacrifice, I've failed in it. And the reason being is, is that at least how I used to model sacrifice, I used to think about cutting something off um, that was still attached to me in some kind of way, so I still had a value there. The way that I have learned to shift is that, for me, I'm trying to get out of the habit of saying we and you and all that kind of stuff because I don't think it's an experience. But it's hard to resist something that you still have a value attachment to. It's hard to oppose something that you have a value attachment to. And a lot of times when we're underneath this system where I was talking about and we're struggling with it, it's because we still have a value attachment to a lot of this stuff, the things that we say that we're trying to resist and oppose. But how I got there is I had to do a personal inventory. That personal inventory came by way of me finding my well, of myself into a therapist's office. I'm not saying that's what you have to do or anyone else has to do, but I'm just telling you how I got there. And I'm also saying this for anyone who may be feeling this but don't want to speak up. I'll, I'll take that bullet. Um, came by way of trauma, and I got to a therapist's office, and first meeting she said, well, why are you in here? I said, I don't want to end up dead or in jail because of how I'm envisioning my life right now, that's where I know that's where it's going to be, especially underneath the system that we're in. Um, a few visits, then she asked me while I was thinking about it, and I, and I had this paradigm shift yes, for myself. <clears throat> and it had to do with me retelling the story about what it was myself. And I, so I told her this story, and it was on the spot, and I still use this story. I said, imagine you're looking at a child and they're in the room with all of their toys. And the child is not old enough to speak, but they're old enough to convey what it is that they like and what it is that there's their favorite toy. And if you watch this child play with this toy and, 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 and make believe and do all this kind of stuff, and you see how happy that child is, you may leave there thinking that this child is happy with all the toys, or you may even be able to say, oh, that child has a particular affinity for this particular toy. But here is the thing. <clears throat> this is what I told her. I said, um, if you leave with that thought, that would be an incorrect thought. Because the reality is, is that all of those toys that that child is playing with were given to that child. And the question then there is, is if that child were old enough to go back and choose those toys for themselves, would they repick those toys? And so I said that I feel like my life is a toy box. And right now what I want to do is I want to dump out every single thing that I have been given to this point. Mm -hmm. And I want to sort through one thing by one to figure out how I got it. Mm -hmm. Whether it has served me well. 
and whether I still want this thing to serve me. I call that my personal process of Sankofa, taking a personal inventory of where it is I am now, what my experiences are that have shaped me, and by virtue of that, where I can go in the future. I've also done that in terms of knowledge of self and how me and my people group got here and I have returned. And the process of doing that, and I say the process, not the thinking about the thing, but the little exercise and process of doing that is the thing for me that actually began for me to untangle the attachment to the certain value system that was implanted within me because this thing is, is that we are in this suit that we did not create. And this thing has severed, severed the progress that we would have had had it not showed up. So this is the, we're, we're, we're a different thing altogether now. And so in the process of me doing that, it actually gave me new values to attach myself to. So one of the values that I got into two years ago, I said I just wanted to read more. So I said, man, I really do want to read more. So I'm going to reduce the amount of television that I watch. But then I had a different value system in terms of watching uh, television. And it was through the process of what we're doing now and talking in community black folks. We're, we're very good at that. But anyway, elder of mine, and she, and she, and she would always joke. She said, you got that TV on? I said, yeah, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. She said, man, you or me, you, you know, well, tell me what the uh, white man think about you. I said, why do you say that? She said, who do you think makes all that? And for whatever reason, that thing right there was enough for me to give away my television. And I, and, and I increased my reading. Um, but that's how that worked for me. So, you know, I, I think of sacrifice in terms of, like you keep talking about, the, the shifting mm -hmm. of the thing. Nothing really goes away, but right. again, you can't resist something that you still right. have an affinity energy for. Is it, it's, it's just, it just doesn't work out. So what tool um, you think of blessing energy is finite? Energy is finite. There's only a certain what, what amount of energy in the world that can't be destroyed nor created. Ooh, what toy? Does Black America need to give up? No, I, I, I'll, I'll say, I'll say, I'll, I'll say that. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. Well, it's gonna be hard as a collective because everybody has different views. Like we say, everybody has different values for things. It all is depending on what's important to you. Is something. Something that's valuable to you, you, you don't have a hard time getting rid of it regardless of where it's coming from. But our biggest toy would be our ego. That's what we play with the most. Yeah. Um, one, one of, there's a quote by um, a man named Renoko Rashidi, and I use this to consider myself to kind of think about. And it says that the um, experience of one generation becomes the history of the next generation, and the history of several generations becomes the traditions of the people. We have a particular kind of experience that we have that has gotten to. For me, the process of knowing that has helped me. I do think that that is a very good tool to, to know how we got here. And even individually within your own familial lineage of how you got here. Um, we tell the story. I was born in Ohio. That was my story. When I started studying more, I realized that, no, I was not just only born in Ohio, but I'm the product of people 
who actually migrated from the South to go to West Virginia for a specific reason through the Great Migration. And I kept going backwards and backwards and backwards. I started finding more stuff about my history. But it also gave me a better context and understanding of the people who looked like me, who I thought had harmed me. And it's not that the harm didn't go away, but it just made a lot more sense. I said, okay, this is what happens when you put people in this kind of box. And the kind of box that we have been stuck into has probably been one of the most destructive things that has ever been contrived by anything. I still believe that we live in the most propagandized machine that is, the world has ever seen. But the fact that we are still in here in this thing, and we're just at all, like, I, we're not supposed to be here, like, period, at all. So when I look at that, I'm like, man, is there, man there's something about us, something, and I, I went out and searched for that. But I think that one of the things that, to answer your question, one of the things we need to give up is, and it kind of goes to what you're talking about, paradigm shifting. I think that when we see, we're seeing with the set of eyes that we have been taught to see with. Yeah, right. So, do you think we've been taught not to value ourselves? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Bruh. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody. Damn, that's the man that From jump street, we said again, so as soon as you come out, you, we just re rearrange backwards. We're just rearrange backwards. But, but. It's the same thing like they use like, I'll say this. Yeah, but that, but at the same time, that can only be used against us if it always goes back to ego. You know what I mean? When we got out of slavery, they didn't allow us to have nice things, so they knew that they can attack us through our ego of wanting to have nice things. You know what I mean? And how to sell to the Negro is, is something that they cultivated and marketed. So everything that's I like to just go to the root because if you mm -hmm. if you root out the problem everything else shifts, right? But that's because they haven't seen an example of what it looks like to produce that proper change. And sometimes it's not even sometimes we look at examples as if they're too far from us. So Elijah Muhammad we'd be like, well he's too far from us. Mm -hmm. Farrakhan too far from Marcus Garvey too far from us. When you can see somebody close to you make and manifest that change, then you can see yourself in that person doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so that's why self-improvement is the basis for community development. Yeah, I was actually going to... I was going to uh, touch on that. I was going to say to the brother, one thing that we can sacrifice is, uh, or, or to go to that, because I believe obedience is the highest form or greatest form of sacrifice. So just doing what we're supposed to be doing already is the greatest sacrifice. And I believe it's going to be different for each and one of us. Somebody may be spending wrong, living outside of your means. Somebody else may be having sex with multiple people. Somebody else may be drinking, getting high. Whatever your thing is, we all have that within us. And I would say one of the things that we need to detour, we need to let go is integration. Uh, depending on other people to do for us what we have the power to do for ourselves and I say all the time self-improvement is the is really the basis of community development because we before we talk about anything collectively we need to talk about what what kind of people are going to be coming into this collectively many times we say we need a business we need a school we need to do this well guess what if you individually bring us or build a school guess what we got now if you build a school guess what we got now and even when it comes to policing our communities I said on my live stream one time everybody talking about police the community well what happens when i say we're gonna police we're gonna police the community from two o'clock to eight o'clock hey wait you ready to come well i'm at work right now i can't you know 
And then I call somebody else, well, I'm, I'm at the job right now. So it takes all of us separating first and making sure our lives are together so now we can do something as a collective. So before we talk about the collective, we need to talk about what we're going to do individually. Before we talk about the white man, we need to talk about how we're going to treat ourselves individually so we come together now we can... You have something to actually bring to the table. I got something to bring to the table, and we all on the same page. So that's why I believe self-improvement is the basis of community development. And, of course, separation, I believe, is the best and only answer. Now, there's a difference we're taught between separation and segregation. Separation is, like I said, that's kind of like you in a you in a marriage with somebody, and this man been mistreating you, you know, for four months. Now, let, then let your girlfriend get beat one time. Let her get let let her come home with one black eye. Oh, you need to leave him, divorce him. Well, hell, we've been getting slept upside the head for four hundred years right. by a white man, but we still <laughs> integrated with him, and we don't. And all he gotta do is smile and give us some crumbs and give us a job. So I think once we separate individually, then we'll be able to see the power that we already have, not that we gotta get. Mm, Here it is. Right. Any any other questions we can go into? Because of course that question oh. can expand on more and more. Of our trauma and our pain, and it hurts, 
but we are working through it in real time and it's so powerful the whole i'm not even gonna say the whole world the whole universe is expanding in such a way that we're doing it all at the same time synchronicity everything is in divine divine uh, pure divine alignment i see it everywhere and it's it's overwhelming but it's like i just I understand in a way that I've never understood before. And that is the embodiment of Christ consciousness. That's why they didn't understand him so much to the point they didn't, they drove themselves themselves to such fear, destruction, and chaos. They killed him in the most brutal way possible. And they keep doing that to them. They keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. And they portray it over and over and over again. They say that mission stopped. Yeah, it did, but police brutality and the way that they portray us in almost almost every line of media as being just murdered in 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 silence, even before we are even before they even begin the process of murdering us. And I say process of murdering because they don't just kill you; they're very methodical in the way that they go about you because it's not just the body; they go after the soul, and the soul is the essence of creation itself. So in order for you to Power. Mm-hmm. 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 Ashe, my good sister. That was powerful. Um, as we're going to wrap up in a little bit, because um, this didn't turn out to a full event, <laughs> um, I, I want us to um, think about, you know, as, as you know, we spend a lot of time on our problems. Um, and we can be the greatest professors. We can be you know, the Leonardo da Vinci's of how we are able to express our problems, but we have to be the greatest cultivators and expressors of our solutions mm-hmm. and as they exist because that's what instills the confidence to be able to implement those things and have execution, you know, in the strategy and our plans that we do today. And so the idea is that Although all of our problems have manifested and existed, they're not supposed to suck all of our time of thinking. Mm -hmm. Our time of thinking has to go into the direction of what our solutions are to eliminate those problems and actually get to our dreams. Because we're talking about ending oppression. We're not talking about our black dreams. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that, and and I came to this thought culmination during my research because during 1995, you had the Million Man (laughs) March, right? Two million black men come together for atonement. Even the first black president was there, you know. And I thought about that, and I said that's powerful. And then I have to ask myself, well, what was happening at the same time? And at the same time, that's when the internet was going through its biggest revolution. It's when Netscape was being IPO'd, you know, and it changed the way st- uh, uh, stocks even IPO'd without having a company's evaluation. It was the same time that social media was being brought out because those guys that was watching the internet were saying that this is going to be the biggest revolutionary thing. But we were so captivated by all of the problems that we have to deal with, we didn't have enough energy in the mind to even think about this thing called the internet collectively so that our parents didn't start dot-coms and really get into that tech revolution. Now, that's not to say that there wasn't a lot of key black people creating and being involved in the internet, but as a mass movement, we weren't focused on our dreams. The, the, the same thing right now. Yeah, the whole cryptocurrency, blockchain, artificial intelligence, internet of thing, machine learning versus uh, uh, deep learning. The, the entirety of it is something that we have to be a part of so that we can control that movement and utilize these tools. 
because the way the Minnesota Farquhar was able to do the second man man march is he used the internet after they tried to close him out from media. They blackballed him, but he was able to come back and create another march not using the media source because they they tried to put out propaganda against him and that backfired. And it only let people know what a march was. <laughs> and so the internet, I look at it as is our tool. You know what I mean? Technology is our tool for advancement. It was a reason those ships happened at the same time. And if you look at fast forward now, the last march was the women's march. At first it was a men's march, and men represent the conscious, women represent the subconscious. So the new shift is we have to deal with everything at the root of our subconscious activity, and that's how you change a paradigm, is on mm. a subconscious level. Mm. And that's why the women has to be raised up, because that is the solution. You know, and that's why so many women are in politics right now, are in fields of tech and industry and in the stocks and all of these different things. You're seeing all of these beautiful black women doing these things, but at the same time, they're trying to pit the black woman against the black man for that reason. Because if one rides without the other, then there's no balance. But if they both ride together, then we take over the planet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So if, if, if anytime you want to have a conversation with anybody, and if you want to, if somebody's coming with some anxiety or depressive thought, if you want to shift the conversation, you focus on their strengths. You focus on the things that they're good at to even reverse that energy within a conversation. And then black people, we have to propagate the conversation towards our strengths, our values, and our dreams and ideas and the execution that we can use in order to build our. Because we don't have excuses anymore. We only have reasons now. We only have tools now. And, of course, we have to get past the white patriarchal intellect, meaning everything that stimulates from his mind, his time, his design, everything like I don't know who who designed this building. Where the good brother at? I think he left. Oh, uh, he left. Oh, no, he left. Who who did the design for this building? I did. See, I can tell it was a black man that did this. You know what I'm talking about? If it was a white man, it wouldn't look this good. You know what I'm talking about? We living in we in the black intellectual, you know, a design right here. And I want to get to a world where we get to see our designs around us instead of queers square cubicles of programming because everything is meant to just program us. You know what I mean? But when we design things, we not design things with that square white patriarchal intellect now because we've been here so long, we reference some of his thoughts in our construction, but we're always going to add that Wakanda twist to it. That this is a scientific laboratory, but it got graffiti on the wall. Because that's how we truly would design things. So I want us to get to that point of what type of world would we create if it was based off our minds? You know what I mean? We wouldn't even go off the clock system. We were given that. We wouldn't even go off the language. We was given that. We wouldn't go off his religion. We was given that. We wouldn't go off these excuses. We were given that. So even when we celebrate the first black person, we're only celebrating our opposition of oppression. We're not really celebrating our greatness and our evolution because we're talking about that's the first black person that did it, but that only the first black person is because we've been oppressed and not given those opportunities to do something. So that's not really a reason to celebrate. A reason right. to celebrate is to do something because right. that's our dream that we're fulfilling to evolve and come together as a people. So, you know, just wanted to leave that thought in the minds of us because we no longer have excuses. We have every single tool of power. And when we look at it like that, it allows us to ask the right questions. And when you ask the right questions, you get to, like, here's the thing. If everybody asks themselves, how can I um, get, you know, uh, 100% more results within my life, whether it's money, whether it's finances, whether it's my business ideas, whatever it is, how do I get there? Now, you take that question, right, and then you, you, you become obsessed with it. You know what I mean? You, you figuring out how to answer it in every single way possible. You know what I mean? From whatever source who has a thought on it. Then after you obsess over the question, then you assess over the execution. 
You know what I mean? And so those are the three steps you have to, because a lot of times it's not even about the answers, it's about the right questions. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And there's a lot of questions that people don't know how to ask themselves in the first place, which don't lead to the right answers. What are you not asking yourself about your current circumstances that won't allow you to get to that answer? But once you get the answer, you can't be a procrastinator. You know what I mean? You have to do. Say then be. Do then is. You know what I mean? But we're stuck on this, I'll do it later. Or maybe not right now. And once we get away from the procrastination stage, then we get to the execution stage. And we don't have any excuses. We don't have any excuses except the ones that we accept and the ones that we create. And we can get sucked up in social media and technology, but we're supposed to remember it is our tool. And if you're if you are complaining on it, then the tool is using you. If you're executing on it, then you're using the tool. You know what I mean? And this thing, I'm telling you, this this technology is going to get dangerous for us because you may be talking and complaining to someone and talking shit to someone on social media, and it may be a bot. It may be an artificial intelligence bot. You know what I mean? Because they, they know how to tweak and, you know, mess with you. You might not even be speaking with a real person, and here you sucked up on social media getting mad at this racist devil. This devil don't even exist. You know what I mean? So you got to be dangerous because they making it to where we, we all have a collective cybernetic consciousness because we throwing all our ideas, our thoughts on the internet daily, and a person is collecting all of that data so that they can make an algorithm that will know exactly how to push their buttons. So you have to remember not to get sucked up in this thing, but to use it. And that's why I don't want us to be the greatest app users, but the greatest app developers. Because if they took away Apple, then so does everything that, that our Apple Store and everything that they created, the Instagram, Facebook, all of our media, all of that stuff. But if we create it, then it still lives on in what we have going on. And so that's why, like me and my brother, Shameless Plug, um, got the Black on Demand, created our own streaming because he lost his YouTube, but now all of the stuff that we put on that platform, we get to still use. You know what I mean? And so it's about, yeah, how do you become sovereign? You know what I mean? And how can we use these tools of today to create that sovereignty? And anybody that has a question on how do we can create collectively as a people first becomes the greatest example of the change that they want to see and then produce um, images of themselves and other people through the vision that they're able to impression. So if I become the greatest speaker in the world, the greatest thinker in the world, the greatest businessman in the world, had the greatest marriage in the world, I can teach you how to do all of those things. You know what I mean? Because I know it from experience. And then it allows me to give the empathy because I was once on that side. So you may be seeing me and I'm seeing you from this side, but I can go on that side and teach you what it looks like to be on this side. And you can go up. So as we travel around, you know, and I was on a panel about being a, uh, uh, about Dallas yesterday, you know, about being transplanted and all these different things. And I told the sister that the black diaspora is all the same no matter where you go. You know what I mean? And, and therefore, you know, this information, this knowledge allows you to be a universal thinker. And I can see the perspectives of all different people, but maintain the integrity of knowledge that I have because it works in shifting our minds. And, and, and last but not least, to what my brother was talking about earlier about the different toys that we use. You know, the, the developing ages between like one through seven is when we don't have true consciousness. We just have a, a mind that observes. You know what I mean? Our, our state of, of neural thinking is just observe, take on, observe, take on. So around eight, eight years old and beyond, those are all the programs that we're using. You know what I mean? From the food that we eat, from the things that we watch, the way we think about a lot of different things, that's when we take in our programs. 
And the dangerous thing is, like you say, not a lot of people go back and do that auditing of all of those programs that they took on. Mm -hmm. Whether it's from finances, and we've seen our, what our mom and dad was talking about with finances, or lack of them giving us education on finances. That's why a person can get a lot of money, but their programming is of a poor person. So whatever you get, it doesn't matter. But if they grew up in a rich household and they programming is of a rich person, they might not be as smart as you, but they're programmed to do better with that thing. So you have to go back and do those reprogramming, and, and so you can shift. And that's why I say update your program to change your paradigm, so you can shift because we've been programmed towards liabilities. We've been programmed towards, you know, uh, professing the problem, but we haven't been programmed to solution-based thinking. So if we get programmed ourselves to, there are no more problems. There are only solutions. You know what I mean? For every solution, there's a question that I can answer and then execute. We look at things totally different, not just from a positive mindset, but from a solution-based mindset. And that's where I want the, the globalist thinking of black people on the planet Earth to be. Because if we came together um, just within one hour of unity, we'd be able to change the world. Speaking of uh, shifting the paradigm, <clears throat> how many of you have been to college in this room? Anybody been to college? Wow. I'm the only person in here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, at least at least I dropped out. No, but, but look, how, who dropped out of college? <laughs> <laughs> how many y'all? How many y'all? Uh, how many y'all uh, paid to go to college? Use paying to go. Yeah, y'all paid. Like, yeah, or loans. How many y'all uh, was on scholarship? How many y'all would love to go to college but get paid to do it? Like they're paying you to do it. Um, the reason I say that about shifting the paradigm is because the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, observe the white man. And Derek Gray said something that was so profound. He said, infiltrate, educate, then vacate. So when you think about your job, why are we picking the jobs that we are picking? Are we picking them because, oh, I just need money? Or are we being strategic in while we're picking our job? And I want to lead it back to Brother 19 Keys in his story about when he worked at Prada. And the reason I'm saying that is because some of us can be getting paid to be educated right now. What I mean by that is, if I want to open up a restaurant business, why can't I go work at a restaurant and learn how they do it? If I want to learn how to do social media managing, why can't I go intern and work at somebody else who's doing it and then get around the boss and ask them questions? See, a lot of times we don't have that kind of vision or we don't have that kind of thinking. We just saying, oh, I got to go back to the plantation, got to go back to the job. Mm. But if we change the way we think about it, we can actually be getting paid to educate ourselves. But it all de depends on our attitude. Attitude really matters. And that's why self-improvement and all these spiritual things is so important other than just getting money. Because even there was a story about a, a, a father and he had two sons. One son said, uh... I'm not going to take care of my child because my father was a deadbeat. Now, the other child took care of his son. Can anybody guess why he took care of his son? For the same reason. For the same reason. So it's all about the attitudes that we have. So we change the way our thinking right now. Maybe tomorrow you're already working at a job that's similar to your dream, that's similar to your goal. So instead of just going to work saying, how can I get this done real quick, really see how you can... Uh, 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 learn the business, you know, educate yourself about the business. So we have to think about our end goal. 
Yes, I may be working for the white man right now, but I'm trying to gain these skills so I can eventually build for my nation. Yes, I'm working for them and I don't want to be here right now, but I got to change the way I think about this because eventually I need to use these same tools and education that I learned eventually for my people. But what happens is we don't have that eventually for my people mindset. So now when I'm going here, it feels worthless and it is worthless because now you're working a nine to five and you're making all this money, but you may be a lot of us working check to check. So I can't even enjoy my money. So we already know you what you do. You're going to go to work. <clears throat> Brother Malik broke this down today. He said, you're going to go to work. Then once you come home, you're going to get something to eat. Ask the children that they do the homework. You ain't going to check the homework. You do your homework? All right. You know, then you're going to bed. Then on weekend, you're tired. So we love Fridays because now I ain't got to work and then we hate Sundays. And then what happens is we feed this same programming into our children. Go to school, get a good education, get some good grades so you can work for somebody else. And then we wonder why the children are so rebellious. Because I've seen you for 18 years of my life. You living this lifestyle and you miserable every day. So it makes, I, I kind of understand why some people go to the streets. Why? Because everybody who business, man, you too busy to come show me an example. Everybody who's supposed to be, you know, successful y'all too busy in this world caught up in this world to come show me an example but guess what the drug dealer he came and showed me an example he put me on he gave me fifty dollars to go score this do this so now we can't be uh, uh mad at the youth because to me the brothers who who uh doing that stuff in the street they just misguided businessmen you mean to tell me you can have customers and you can do make all this money and you gotta work work out uh watch out for the police and the d-boy down the street that want to take your spot man that's a powerful brother right there so all we gotta do is go down there and educate him so much so the honorable Elijah muhammad said you never have to condemn a dirty glass just put a clean one next to it but you gotta put the clean one next to it not just be a clean glass we gotta show them an example like the brother was talking about so i would love for you to share how you use Prada and what you were doing for Prada to now be doing something for yourself uh, I did the system of what Derek I, I went and stole the information but you, you have to be intentful right because I always tell people you know start things with an intent and a reason when I first started there I'm not gonna lie I just wanted to you know get more money you know I wanted to go from whatever I was making so let me tell you the story I was um I was offered this raise at this current job I was working and they, the, the, the boss came there, the manager rather, came there and he said, I'm going to give you a dollar raise. Now, he was supposed to start me off with that. And I had known that the Africans that was working there started off with that. And I was, you know, top flight, you know what I mean, with everything that I was doing. So that day, it made me realize that I don't need to be here. And within that same 30 minutes, I quit the job or I mm. fired the job rather. Mm. So I fired them. And then before that, though, a man that came by, gave me the car, said, I want you to try out for the product position. Now, me, I was thinking of my judgmental self, thinking that oh, I don't know nothing about that damn world. I ain't, I ain't about to tap in with them. You know what I mean? But then, dissatisfaction produces a change, right? 100% dissatisfaction. I was 100% dissatisfied. So I said, you know what? Let me interact with the opportunity, you know, and see if I can be successful within it. So I went to the different interviews, like three full interviews I had to go through. But I've never had an interview where I didn't get the job. You know what I mean? Because I've always produced the image, and when I go through things, I always see myself working at the job rather than going through the interview. I've never tried to be successful in the interview. I was just always thinking about the end results of me at the job and being great at it. And so that means that every habit I would be doing would be producing that image that I wanted to get to. So fast forward to make this very long story short. Um, I got the job. I'm on the job. They start me off as loss prevention 
And in the Prada world, loss prevention is not like regular stores. You you literally like audit what everybody's doing because you're kind of a separate entity within a company. So I audit everybody, you know, making sure that they was doing procedural things correct. And it's also securing the store. Now, during that time, I had found out what the salespeople were making. And they were making a lot of money. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I checked out the check. I'm like, wait a minute. I thought I was doing good. But y'all doing good, good. So I said, that's what I want. So now I put my sights on something different. Now they're working there. And I said, though, in order for me to get that which they have, I have to do what they have. And I have to acquire the knowledge that they have and the skills that they have. So I always say every level of consciousness comes with the new language. And that new language will allow you to interact with new opportunities because you're going to understand new things and express yourself in new ways. So I had to start learning Mandarin. Um, I had to also start learning sub-languages that were already built into, like the English language, like luxury. I had to learn sales. So once I was able to observe them and learn and take on a new program, and an opportunity came up for a new store that was being opened up. And I asked the manager, I said, let me go over here and help them build the store. So he didn't know. I, I this this was this was step one of the plan that I was about to implement. <laughs> so he 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 messed up and signed off of me. And later on, he revealed like I don't even know why I signed on. He's like I didn't even mean to. He look, I had some powerful things going on. <laughs> so I went to this store. Now they didn't know. So to paint the picture is this people flying in from all around the world within the company. Corporate people from Italy, managers, blah blah blah. Zach. So nobody really knows each other there. So I'm going in there, and I'm just telling people what to do. I'm like, yeah, put that <laughs> shelf up there. You do this. You fold this. So they send me, and they're like, hey, who is that over there working? So the people like from France, from Italy and everything. So I implement my strategy. I asked the manager that was going to be at that store. I said, look, you need some people of my caliber that's been in here working for a while. And he was so fresh, and he knew nothing about the word of Prada. That he was like, yeah, please, please, I'd love for you to come. But it wasn't really up to him. So <laughs> I just had to get that on board first. You know what I mean? You got to be strategic. I'm very strategic. So as I got him on board, I had to go through another guy who I did the interview with, uh, which is one of those three interviews. And I asked him, like, what you think about the idea of me signing on and everything? He's like, I'd be cool with it if so-and-so is cool with it. It was like this corporate manager that I had to do this HR thing with. So before I got to her, though, I went to um, day one has started of the, the um, grand opening. Now they had deeply un, um, um, yeah, they, they didn't understand the capacity of what this grand opening was going to do, uh, and it ended up doing like over a million dollars the first day. But I had understood the way that the company was moving, and I understood the culture of how the Chinese people worked in the culture of product so much that I kind of anticipated that this store is going to be great because I was looking at the type of product they was putting there versus the product that they had at this store. And I'm like, this is the same thing because it was an outlet store. So I said, these people, oh, this is about to do amazing. So the first day, I'm slanging everything. You know what I mean? I'm speaking Chinese. People look like, who the hell is he? But it was dope because the day before everybody from Italy had left, they had requested to see one person, and that was me. And everybody didn't even know why. Like, they never do that. It's like, why they came to see you? And it was just like, hey, it's a koozie. Hey, bye-bye. You know what I mean? So I'm like, okay, cool. It's just the God powers. You know, I got the God complex. So I just <laughs> chump everything up to the God powers. So they came, blah, blah, blah. Say, I asked one last person I, I, that I was going to ask, and he was like the, uh, the, uh, the manager over the whole West Coast or something like that. 
And so, you know, he said yes, but he said something to that fact that you need to be more polished. That basically means that I probably was too ghetto or something, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But those are the things that I wasn't willing to sacrifice because I realized that in that state, as long as you are the top man there, they're not going to fire you. Mm -hmm. So that's what I decided to do is just make myself the top person. Now, you know, this story goes towards everybody has signed on, but the manager of the person I was at the store with. And so they told him about everybody agreeing to it. <laughs> And after he they agreed to it, um, he had to agree, and so he reluctantly pulled me to the side, and he in the long drawn out speech, and was like, "Yes, I was thinking about promoting you in the next three years," and I was like, "You got your plans, I got mine," and so he reluctantly said yes because he knew that I was going to quit if he held me back because that was going to be a significant boost from like thirty thousand to six figures, you know, within like six months at the company, and so he said yes. And then it's like another person needed to sign on. It was it was a long drawn out process, but I was able to get in that company because of the process that I went through. And I thought about the entire process of me. That first job was like seventeen thousand. The next job was like thirty. The next one was like six figures. And at each point in time, I had to be dissatisfied. I had to continue to learn. I had to continue to grow. And I had to use that journey. And then fast forward, me taking in that first year, I sold like three and a half million dollars. And like the next person that was under me was like a million and a half dollars, like under that, just to give you like a take on. I was just, I was selling crazy. So I told, I took all of that information because over the time I started like managing stores. I started doing the visual. I started learning everything I could about that company because I started to respect how they built the company. And how they built the company, it allowed people to see the value in it. So I was like, why would a person pay thirty, forty thousand dollars for something? But it's all of the work that they put into the image of these products, the people that they hire marketing, the the PR that they hire, the sports that they get into, the placement. Like this company has been around for a hundred years. You know what I mean? So I said, uh, uh, as I learned and to respect it, then I wanted to take the information on how they created their clientele system. Not just having customers do a transaction; they want the customers for life. So they would get all the information for the customers, call them on their birthdays, check up on anniversaries, seeing how things are working, reference, offer a new product, visualize. Everything in their system was meticulously done for some particular reason, visual, everything. So it got to a point where I made the money and I realized that's not why I was in the company. I was in there for the journey. And, you know, and that's why I came up with my thought process. Life is about the journey, not the destination. Because as soon as you make a destination, you create an expectation. If you don't live up to the expectation, it causes a depression. And so after I, um, you know, got to that place, I wanted to fire my job. I told them for like six months I'm going to be quitting. That was just to prepare them so they didn't have no expectations upon the work, the quality of work that I was going to be doing. You know what I mean? Because they were scared of me leaving. So I left there and... I wanted to do for self. It was around the time of the Second Million Man March, and of course, I you know I was born Muslim. I was born with consciousness, so I've always had to do for self attitude. But it really became real that Million Man March. Something that really shifted. It was like, bro, it's that time, and that's when I quit that job, and then I started me a um, clothing store downtown Oakland. But I didn't start just a regular clothing store. It was conscious branded and everything. But I took all of the elements that I learned from. Uh, working at Prada, and that's how I was managing my store from the look, the visuals, everything. And I believe it allowed us, allowed me to create an experience that the customers had when they came in. So, where people they just tell me this won't work, you got black guy and assalamu alaikum shirts and all of these different things in the window, but they didn't understand the school of thought that I just came from. 
And so as I stole and used all of that information from Prada into my store, I was able to create a luxury experience. And I believe that today time, and I've, I've had like, you know, celebrities and everything come into that store. I had it for about a year and a half until the person that was, I was written it out, they wanted to do something else with it and I moved on. And then I branched out, you know, starting the 19 Keys brand, which I also still use elements from that luxury world in, because I said that it's not enough to have a high caliber knowledge if you're not curating it in a high caliber way. So that first video I did out, the person that I had there, I said, no, I want you to do the video and the 4K. I want this to look amazing. Because if you look a lot of time in the conscious community, they be, they be spitting, but it looked like a VHS tape that they recorded on. <laughs> so it takes away from the quality of the message. So I said, no, I want to give my velvet crown. I had my, my, my fresh panther jacket that I just made. You know what I mean? I took proceeds from the college that hired me, and we created this luxury production. And um, I did it from all of the knowledge that I got along the journey, each journey propelling me and preparing me for the next one. And so when we put out that first one, they all started to go viral. And now that I look at it from hindsight, you got to look at it from the eyes of the people, even in the conscious community. Here's a brother coming out of nowhere on site, but the quality of his messages is great and the quality of the images that he putting out there is great. So everybody was like, this is a paradigm shift within itself. And so that whole entire message is more so, and now, you know, we're doing the shifters, we travel around the world, we're doing a bunch of different things. And the whole entire message is, you know, you have to, every time you do something, you have to have the intent first set out, what you're going to do and what's for. Then you create a strategy and then you execute upon that plan. But wherever you at, that's your school. So when I was at Prada, that was my school. I was there for four years, so I got a four-year degree. You know what I mean? And a lot of people that had jobs are in places, but they're not really growing through it. They're just going through it. Mm -hmm. So when they exit those places, they didn't really take much from it but a check and some complaints about how much they hated that job. So for me, I said, no, nah, if I went through it, I want to see how I can utilize every piece of knowledge and information that I got there and utilize it in the real world or, you know, just the world period because everything is real, honestly. In the real world, um, as far as how I can take that and build a brand outward. So... Whatever job anybody has in here or whatever business you're doing, it may not be f to be just in that thing you're doing now. It may be preparing you for that next thing because life is about graduating points. Every, you don't got to get a degree or wait till four years or a school to graduate. Every single day you're supposed to graduate from yesterday. And, so, and if you're on that constant state of graduation throughout life, then you'll find yourself consistently evolving. But the, the points in that was, you know, Update your language. Um, interact with opportunity. Don't react to success. Don't wait for somebody else to do it for you to know it's possible. Be the one to interact with it. Have a non-judgmental mind for superiority of thinking. Because as I was judging prior, I would have never interacted with the opportunity. It wasn't until I let that go of my current paradigm to interact with a better opportunity. And then thirdly is, you know, wherever you are, it's your school. And that's what you're supposed to learn from and use. So. All right, family. That's, that's all we good. got today. Yeah. And, um... It's 9 o'clock, so we got to wrap it up. But me, mine going to be real sweet. But really got me to quit my job, man. I was working at FedEx. <laughs> Y'all probably already know my story. I was working at FedEx, right? And I said, man, I'm throwing 500 boxes a week on this bad boy on this truck. And I said, man, you know what? If I got up the next week and I said, man, let me throw 600 or 800 boxes this week, my check's still going to be the same. 
But if I have my own business where I, uh, where I have my own trucking business or I have my own business where I'm doing that, the harder I work through, the more I work, the more money I receive and benefit. So at that moment, I realized, man, a lot of people are using our gifts to benefit themselves. Mm -hmm. And if we, and, and a lot of times, we don't know who we are, but other people know who we are. And if those people know who we are and we don't, they'll use what they know about us to their own, you know, uh, benefit and, you know, our degradation. So that's my story as well. But, oh, somebody got a question. Oh, hold on, hold on. Let, let me let the camera get close because it's going to be powerful because the youth is speaking now. <laughs> Thank you for sharing, brother. I want to um, to respond to that, man. I really thank you for sharing that. And I'll say this: um, Do you stay in the this area? San Antonio? Cedar oh, Cedar Hill. Well, you ain't that. Man. It's same, it's same, it's same well, I'll say this, man. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said that a father is one who takes you further. Um, and a lot of times, some of us have our biological uh, parents there, but they are dead. They ain't, they just as dead good as not being there. And I didn't know my biological father. Uh, matter of fact, I have 21 brothers and sisters, and I only know five of them. Um, so I didn't know my biological father, and I was born in prison. Uh, but I'll say this. I'm willing, or I believe a lot of us would be willing to help you in your development uh, to be a father figure. You know, because a lot of people don't have fathers in their lives, and... Um, a lot of times what we do is we think that because I don't have my biological father that I don't have a father. And I just like to say that I'm willing to be your big brother and anything that you need that I can give. And I'm pretty sure us in the room will be willing to do the same thing to help you in that uh, because I know how you feel. And there's been times when I was wondering, like, why did my father take care of me? Or I would wonder what would my father do or what would my father think? And a lot of times, you know, we like to be hard sometimes and think and say, Oh, I'm not thinking about that, or that doesn't bother me. But the minister said it's natural for a young man to have that inclination to know his father. Mm -hmm. So um, I just want to say that to you as well, and I just want to thank you for sharing that. Um, lastly, but not least, because this 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 powerful. Um, is it, it, is how do you know when you're a man, right? Because you you're a young brother right now. What's your name, good brother over there? What's your name again? I'm a, I'm a, yeah, Taman is very easy for me. I know a Taman. <laughs> He's a solid brother. Yeah, talk about. Um, but all I was going to say is, um, and, and we can get the camera brother in here. You know, we got to get all our good content out there, brother. We, we, we strategic. But uh, no, really, reality, though, and this is for everybody in here, not just for the young brother. But, you know, um, always talk about when you at that man age, right? Um, and as a young brother right now, your mother is doing a lot for you. Am I correct? Right, so she's the one that provides the food. She's the one make sure you're safe. She's the one that get you to and fro different things. So right now, she's the one that's managing your life to make sure that you get to those set obligations and goals that you need to get to. And there's going to be a point in time where you are supposed to be able to administer your activities 
to where you are able to manage yourself. You are able to manage being a producer, a provider, a protector. And when you get to that age to where you can do those things that your mother is doing for you, that's when you can consider yourself to be a man. You know, because then you'll be able to man-age yourself, meaning you'll be able to manage yourself. And so it, 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 a lot of times we don't know what it means to be a man, so it's hard for us to come into something where we don't have the understanding of what that vision is. So as a young man, if you want to grow into a, a, an ex, a finding an example of a man, we all have to find somebody we can pattern our thinking off of. You know what I mean? And so in that adulthood and in that growing, it's not a particular age that you get through. It's a it's particular principles of character that you develop along that journey that will allow you to become a man. So I just kind of wanted to, you know, relay that. And that goes to everybody in the room as far as men, because there's a lot of males, but there's not a lot of men, you know. And there's a difference because you have to have those qualifying things that make you a man. It's just not an age you get to and you, you just magic that I'm a man. Right. Right. So right. appreciate it. Yeah, let's end with the brother right here. I just want to encourage the brother because like, I teach sixth grade, and I'm guessing you're in about middle school, right? Seventh grade. Seventh grade. We need some leaders like you, brother. Yeah. I'm watching. I'm in Macau. I'm sure you probably see the hill, right? Somewhere in City Hill. City Hill, DeSoto, Lancaster, Duckville, terrible. Right? So we need more like you. So you have to make sure, man. I remember when I first started listening to the uh, Minister Louis Farrakhan, he always talked about make sure you're being on your post. You, you got to know you're on your post every day. I, I learned one of my grandmother's favorite quotes was an all head nigga soft. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I learned the hard way, but I realized I was always on post. So you got to realize you you have a light on you, man. So as you walk through the school, just know somebody's going to disagree with you always. Somebody's going to dislike what you do, what you say. So stick with your Like I like what the minister say, say. Make sure you have the testicular fortitude. That's right. To stand on the word that you know. You know is right. So keep, I just want to encourage you, man. Send love to you. Keep going to you going. All right, now, if anybody want to get crowned, let's tap in one time. <laughs> <laughs> one more thing for the uh, yeah. from look. Who won that crown? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> let me check. Uh, let the, let the youth, let the Go youth. ahead, let the brother speak.
No, no, we just tapped in. Yeah, we got DVDs, got crowns, you know what I'm talking about? Y'all can tap in. Oh, I, my brother Ben has some DVDs. Living your pur- living in your purpose, I believe. Everybody has a DVD. Brother, which one are you trying to grab one time? I just want to, I have to grab one from you later. Okay, that's fine. I also want to know the idea behind how this well, you know, the reason I say that is because... Hey, listen, family, if you want to learn how to build your own banking system, yes, I said it, build your own banking system. We have a wonderful course, over 30 lessons, 25 hours of content that also comes with a 268-page textbook, yes, textbook, that's going to teach you how to build your own private banking system with your family. And let me tell you something. You don't have to be rich in order to do it. Inside of this, go to privatebankingblueprint.com, privatebankingblueprint.com, and we're going to show you exactly how you can build your own private banking system for your family. Guess what? Say buy the credit. Say buy the debt. I'm going to show you how to do it with our private banking blueprint. See you there, privatebankingblueprint.com.